0: This morning I'm going to move in a lateral position from last time we preached. The last time that I preached we talked about being conformed to this world. That we should not be conformed to this world. And I began to ask myself, what does that mean? To be conformed means to be molded. It means to be fashioned. And the only way that that can happen is that if you're put in a pressurized situation, how do we respond to situations that come into our lives that attempt to conform us into this world's view? And one of the biggest things that helps and aids in a, this confirmation or this conforming, should I say, is distractions. So this morning we wanna deal with and we wanna look at distractions. Because all of us face distractions in life. Did you not know that most, there's, uh, most people deal with distractions and they don't even realize it. We've become so conditioned to live with distractions. Because everywhere you look, there is some type of distraction. As a matter of fact, some of you are being distracted right now. Uh, you, you looked up, you're like, okay. <laughs> But we understand that, that, that a distraction is something that actually diverts our attention away from what we really should be focusing in on. Have have you ever decided that you were going to start reading your Bible? Every day I'm going to pick up my Bible in the morning. You get your cup of coffee, you go into your table, you get your Bible, and you break it out. And lo and behold, the phone rings. That's a distraction. Or a a thought pops in your head of something that you should have been doing that takes you away from concentrating and focusing on the word of God. That's a distraction. So we want to look at distractions. And and, and one of the things that the enemy uses for distractions is sometimes things that are not, or are out of our control, should I say. We're going to look at the Gospel of Matthew, the 14th chapter. We'll begin our reading at verse number 22, just for context. Say amen when you have it. And it reads, And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side. And while he sent the multitude away, and when he had sent the multitude away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves from the winds, for the winds were contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him, and when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Distraction. But when he saw the winds boisterous, he was afraid and being beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? From this passage of scripture, I would like to entitle this message, The Wind, the Wave, and the Distraction. The Wind, the Wave, and the Distraction. As I mentioned that we're all in condition, to seemingly live with distractions. So I want to say this greatest tools, because he can do nothing with our souls, because we have been born again, because we have been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. He endeavors to distract us from completing the task in which God has presented and placed before us. Understand that life is a journey, the journey in which God has given us. He has assigned certain things to our hands. He has given us gifts, he has given us abilities. He's given us the time, the talent and the treasure to accomplish that which he has set forth. Because it is God is the one that has orchestrated the path in which we are to take. And we are to stay true to this path. We are to be focused on the finish line. And one of the greatest things that helps anyone that is running a race is to know that the finish line is in sight. We remain focused on the finish line because there are many distractions that will get our, divert our attention away from the goal, which is at hand. The church is full of distractions. Many things are distracting believers. And it's really killing the church. Did you not know that, that one of the leading causes of vehicular homis- I mean, uh, fatalities... And accidents is distracted drivers. That's when you're driving and your favorite song comes on the radio. And you're no longer really paying full attention to the road. Or, heaven forbid, your cell phone rings. And you pick it up and answer the cell phone. That's distracted. It's a distraction. It takes your full attention on what you're really supposed to be doing, and that's focusing on the road ahead. I tell you, we've been conditioned to be distracted. There are some people who are afraid to be alone with themselves. There there, there are some people who, who, who can't stand the silence of self. Because this is when God begins to speak to you and tell you what you really need to focus on, what you really need to get right. And so you welcome the distractions because you don't really want to be alone with yourself. You you, you don't want God to be talking to you because if it's just you and God, you know God ain't talking to nobody else but you. And so therefore we allow distractions to come in that it might soothe us, that that, that it might give us an alternative to what God is really trying to say to us. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I know I'm right, because there's times that I've done that. When I didn't want to hear what someone had to say, I found some type of distraction to just take my attention away from them. And oftentimes we do the same thing with God. God is really trying to get us to focus, to center ourselves. But we welcome the distractions of this world. But be careful what you pay attention to. Because all of us need to pay attention to what we pay attention to. Because what we're paying attention to is forming us. And ultimately will conform us into this world system. Here Jesus has just accomplished one of his greatest miracles. And that is feeding the 5,000 with just two fish and five barley loaves of bread. This was a miracle of such great magnitude according to other gospels, that the people were ready to take Jesus by force and make him their king. But Jesus understood what they were up to. And so after feeding the multitude to the point to where they were filled and had leftovers, he tells his disciples, he said, get in the boat and go to the other side. A simple command. They were focused. They had their marching orders. They were doing exactly what Jesus told them to do. They were on their journey. They were on the right path. And so, after Jesus sends the multitude away, the Bible said that he goes up into a mountain and he begins to pray. Understand that prayer is always necessary when it comes to ministry work. Jesus had a constant prayer life, which tells us that we need to have the same type of prayer life. No, 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 no doubt Jesus was praying for those who had, he had just blessed and he had just fed. But it's apparent that probably perhaps Jesus was praying for his disciples. Because other Gospels tell us that, that, that Jesus seen them as they were in the midst of the sea. How a storm had arose. A storm is something that we have very little control of. We, we, we don't know where they come from. We don't know and understand the magnitude of them. And there's absolutely nothing you can do about a storm. But the only thing that we as Christians can do about a storm is to anchor ourselves in Jesus. Because he will be our anchor. So Jesus is praying for his disciples. And he sees them toiling. He sees them wrestling. The winds and the waves are beating against the ship. Yeah, a couple of them are fishermen, but even fishermen cannot do nothing with a storm. The only thing you can do for a storm, like I say, is anchor yourself in Jesus. So Jesus seeing them in trouble, he comes on their journey with them, but he comes in a very supernatural way. Jesus did not go down and get a boat and follow behind them. But he went in in such a way that would prove to them and show to them that he was who he said he was. That he was the son of God. That he was the maker of the wind as well as the wave. and So he has dominion over them. So Jesus goes out and he actually walks on the water. So it's quite interesting, because here we have a ship that is designed to float on top of the water, is sinking. And we have a man, the God man Jesus, who was designed to sink in water, walking on top of the water. What a turn of events here. Jesus proves who he really is. He has dominion. He has command over even the sea as well as the waves and the winds. He comes walking on the water. Look at the disciples. They're still toiling. They're still wrestling. They're still doing exactly what Jesus told them to do. But lo and behold, their attention, they are distracted. Look at the text. Because the text says that when he came walking on the sea, they were distracted by him. They were supposed that he was a ghost or a spirit. And nonetheless, great fear came over them. And understand that's one of the things that distractions will do for us it will put us in a place to where we begin to doubt and we begin to operate in fear but understand that God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind don't be distracted by your circumstance don't be distracted by your situation Why? Because God has told you to get in the ship and go to the other side. There's a blessing on the other side. There's going to be some heartache. There's going to be some toiling. There's going to be some straining. There's going to be some struggling. But go to the other side. Don't give up. That's what Satan is trying to get you to do. He's trying to get you to take your eyes off of Christ, off of the goal, off the in line. That's what he's trying to do. And if you become distracted, you become defeated. Don't don't, don't, don't let distraction defeat you. I don't care how bad your circumstance and situation, I don't care whether you got a bad uh, report from the doctor, if you've got a layoff notice, don't be distracted by it. Because the same God that brought you this far will continue to take you all the way through it. Don't you know that God is able to heal every disease, every circumstance in your life? If God gave you that job, he can give you another job. As a matter of fact, he can give you a better job. Don't let the distraction get you down. You you use it as an opportunity to give God some praise. I dare you. That distraction will dry up if you just simply begin to praise God. Hallelujah anyhow. Thank you Lord. Disciples were distracted. But Jesus speaks to him, to them. He said, be not afraid. He said, it is I. It's Jesus. It's, a, it's the maker of the winds and the waves. And in amazement, they're seeing Jesus is walking on the water. And Peter, you know impetuous Peter, said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come unto you. This takes faith. This is what's known as getting out of the boat faith. And so Jesus, with one word, tells them to come. And Peter has enough faith to step outside of the boat. He steps outside of the boat. And my question to this whole thing is that, what happened to the other 11 disciples? Because if Jesus is outside of the boat, everybody should have been outside of the boat. You see, because I want to be where Jesus is, even if it will cost me my life. Because that's what faith does. Faith causes you to trust God in difficult situations and circumstances. Listen, even if it will cost us our lives, we're still to be willing to get out of the boat. Because that's what faith does. Too many Christians are staying in the boat. You see, because inside the boat, it's comfortable. And in, 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 inside the boat, there's perceived safety. But understand anything apart from Jesus Christ can bring destruction to your life. Because it's faith that pleases God. Peter could have talked about having faith and never got out the boat. But it would have never been faith. Because faith is not faith unless it has been tested. And we need to get out the boat. We need to get out of those old familiar things that we've been doing. We need to put down some of our comfort zones, the things that are comfortable in our lives. There's some folk that we need to reach outside the boat that there are some testimonies that need to be gained outside of the boat so Peter gets out he has enough faith to get out the boat and the bible says that he walks outside of the boat he's doing what Jesus is doing don't miss this he's doing the same thing that Jesus is doing But understand that it's not by his own accord or by his own power but it's by his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because Peter has decided to lock in and to focus in on Jesus. But lo and behold every time you go to do good evil is always present. Because as long as he's focused On Jesus long as he's got his eyes on Jesus he can't see nothing else he's focusing on Jesus but something catches his attention and he diverts his attention from Jesus to the winds and the waves and immediately he begins to know understand that he's doing the impossible Once you realize that you're doing the impossible and you take your focus and your eyes off of Jesus, you have no other recourse but to sink. There's failure when you give in to distractions. When you begin to look at the circumstances around you, you were doing just fine, Peter, as long as you was looking at Jesus. In your life, you, you, you were doing fine. When you first gave your life to Christ, you were focused, you were, you, you were aimed, lined up with Jesus. But then you begin to get into the distractions and let the distractions in. And before you know it, you begin to sink. You begin to sink in your prayer life. You begin to sink in your devotion to God. You begin to sink in your, in your attendance at church. You stop coming to Bible study in Sunday school because you've given in to the distraction. And when you give in to the distraction too many times, you become conformed. Jesus says, no, keep looking at me. Keep focusing on me. Peter had enough sense that even in his sinking condition, even in his, in his hopeless situation, his helpless situation, he knew to call on Jesus. And really, that, that, that's all you have to do is, is just call on Jesus. I don't, I, I don't care how far you've been distracted, I don't far, how far you've gone, I, how far you've sunk, how low you've gone. You can always call on Jesus. Because Jesus is the one that will save you from your circumstance and your situation. He always desires to do that. We need to pay attention to those things that are distracting us. That they will not be a distraction to us. Jesus reaches down. And he pulls Peter up. And both of them go and get back into the boat, what we're distracted by is what determines what we'll become. What you give your attention to is what you give your heart to. And what you give your heart to is what you will give yourself to. If we get back to looking and focusing on Jesus, the Hebrew writer says, looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of my faith. We have to look to Jesus, who is the one who actually gave us the faith in the first place. And that God is going to complete the work that he has begun in us. But we have to get away from all of the distractions. A distracted Christian leads to a distracted church. Church has been distracted And we need to get back to focusing on what God has us to focus on. We've been distracted by political allegiance. We've been distracted by social justice. We've even been distracted by feeding the poor. And listen, understand this we ought to feed the poor, but that is not our main objective as the church. Our main objective as the church is to preach the gospel. That's what God has told us to do. That's what he has commissioned us to do. Is to make disciples. That is our goal. That is our objective. That's our march. That's what Jesus told us to do. But we become distracted. We got our hands in on so many different things. We give out turkeys at Thanksgiving and think that, oh, pat ourselves on the back like we've done something good. Don't get me wrong, it's a good thing to bless other people. You know I believe in that. But the greatest thing that we need to do is to give the gospel, to live that life before them. To compel them to come in. That's our message. That's what we're to do. But the church has become distracted. And we have become distracted. Spend that time with the Lord. Get up early in the morning and spend time with him. Commune with him. Pray to him. Listen to him. Spend that time of quiet meditation with him. Because that's when he wants to speak to you. And when you do it, turn off the phone. Turn off the TV. Close the door. Whatever you need to do to have that quiet time. With the Lord, that He might speak to your heart. Because this world is filled with distraction. And Satan wants to distract you. Don't think it's only you. He tried to distract Jesus. You remember when Jesus told Peter and the disciples that I must go and be handed over to the hands of sinful men? Distraction showed up. Peter said, be it far from you, Lord. I'm not going to let that happen. And Jesus said, get thee behind me. Say, why? Because thou art an defense to me. He had a purpose. He had a goal. And he would not be deterred from that goal. He said that I came into this world for this purpose, that I might give my life as a ransom. Everything that Jesus did in ministry came second to what he came to do and that was to give his life. Tried to distract him. They took him and they arrested him simply by doing what was good. Simply by healing the sick and raising their dead. Simply by feeding 5,000 with two fish and five barley loaves of bread. Listen here, simply for just telling the truth of what God's word said. There's evil all around us when we try to do that which is right and Jesus was no exception. They took him. They marched him from court to court. Yes, they did. They marched him from judgment hall to judgment hall. They took him before the Sanhedrin council and they told him that he was a blasphemer which was worthy of being killed or death. They realized that they did not have the power to put him to death, but they knew who could. Yeah. And so they took him and marched him before Pontius. Pilate falsely accused him. Yeah. And he never uttered a, mur- a word. Yeah. They talked about him. Yeah. Pontius sentenced him to death. Yeah. Death of the old, old rugged cross. Yeah. There he suffered bled, and died on that cross for you and for me. Yeah. He was not distracted. He went all the way to the cross. There was nothing that would stop him from going to the cross. Yes, he gave his life. He hung upon that cross. They pierced him in his side, put a crown of thorns on his head. They mocked him. They ridiculed him. And he died on that cross. They took him off the cross, buried him in a tomb. But on the third day, he rose with all power of heaven and earth in his hands. That is the gospel message. That's what I'm coming to give to you. I will not be distracted from giving you what God told me to give you. Because it's important. It's what's going to save lives. You've got to receive that by faith. You've got to understand that that's the only antidote to your sin and your distractions. Is what Christ did. If we're to mimic Christ, we're to to go all the way. Don't let nothing stop us. We're to be sold out for him. Why? Because he sold out for us. He gave everything. He didn't withhold anything. He gave everything. His very life for us. And he's seated at the right-hand side of God right now. He's praying for you. He's praying for me. And every time the devil accuses you before the father, he stands there and says, I died for that sin. I gave my, I shed my blood for that sin. There's nothing else that needs to be paid for that sin. I paid it all. He did it. He did it. Yes, he did. The word declared that he did it. And I'm grateful for it. But oh, he's coming back. There's going to come a time that labor is going to be turned into reward. We're going to be rewarded for all that we put up with down on this side. All the distractions that we've done away with on this side. God has a reward for us. He's coming back. He's coming back. He's coming back. Man. for church without a spot or a wrinkle. He's coming back for us. So don't be distracted. Don't give in to the distraction. Because God has a work for you. And distractions only take you away from the work that God has for you. Please stand to your feet. The door to the church is open. I'm praying that the distractions will be lifted right now. The distractions that he's not talking about me. There's somebody here that needs to come and needs to surrender your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. God has been speaking to you You've been looking for a place of worship. And God said, this is the place. There's some great and mighty things that the Lord wants to do. He endeavors to do. And everyone in this church is a part of God's plan for this church. Everyone here has a place and a part to play. If you would, please come.